and welcome back to Thought Crime and Keto and Crime. Today, we are delving into the crazy world of Alex Jones. And I know you probably know Alex Jones best for this. Look it up for yourself. I mean, this is what they're, what do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. And I'm not saying people didn't naturally have homosexual feelings. I'm not even getting into it, quite frankly. I mean, give me a break. You think I am like, oh, shocked by it, so I'm up here bashing it because I don't like gay people. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. But really, Alex Jones is so much more than the crazy frogs are gay, man. He is a very influential person in American conservative politics, and I don't say that lightly. We're talking about a man that today still gets six million views a month on his own website, Infowars.com. Now, that's without any outside marketing, because as you know, uh, about a year ago, he was banned from Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards, banned, gone. So everything that he generates, he generates organically himself. Also, because he was also banned by YouTube and therefore Google, he is no longer an AdSense partner, so he doesn't get the normal type of advertising that one would get, yet he still sustains a media empire with what he's able to drive organically. Now, whatever you think of Alex Jones, you have to admire that one piece of him. I'm not here to condemn Alex Jones. I'm not here to be pro-Alex Jones. I am neutral Alex Jones, and I am going to tell you his story. And I'm going to break it in to several different parts. Background, early days on public access. Then I'm going to get into uh, actually the building of the InfoWars empire. And then also, of course, the various scandals. We're talking Pizzagate. We're talking his views on the Sandy Hook. We're right down to gay chemicals and turning the frogs gay. We're going to talk about it all. And I'm about to jump into it, but first, a little bit of housekeeping. If you'd like to join um, my community down below, that join tab is right next to the subscribe button. Also, the link to my Patreon. I'd like to give a quick shout out to my wonderful patrons. And again, I'll put a timestamp down below if you'd like to skip this. I certainly understand if you do. But a shout out to my wonderful patrons. Roderick Hope, Mary Rowatt, uh, Maybe Sunshine, Laurie Holmes, Zachary Reese, Kimberly Jolly, Kat Whitlett, Lauren Kurt, Sarah Carney, Andrea Lee, Tabora Summers Cooper, and Demelza Pasco. And to my wonderful, wonderful channel members, Dr. Debo Cherry, Chef Betsy, Mama Bear, Stephanie Ceresi, Lauren Cass, Zachary Reese, Flame Lily, Hippie Dotson, Joe Guitar, Katrina Milliton, Enigma X, Sherry Hendricks, Maybe Sunshine, Stephanie Mertz. Thank you so much for everything that you do. If it wasn't for you guys, it would be much harder to do this because, you know, you help me pay for the stuff that makes the ch channel go round. So, with that being said, let's dive into Alex Jones. Alex Emmerich Jones was born February 11th, 1974, so he is very solidly a Gen Xer, just like myself, in Dallas, Texas. And he was raised in a very unusual situation for Gen Xers, and I'll tell you why. He was actually raised in the suburbs, not that that was unusual, 
but he was raised by a two-parent family. His father was a dentist and his mother stayed at home. Well, why do I say that's unusual? Because Gen X, with whose parents were either of the silent generation, which my parents are both silent generation, the, the generation that actually either fought World War II or born during World War II, they, uh, they were a very different generation. They stayed together because they sort of had to. It's what was done. However, most Gen Xers' parents are baby boomers, and baby boomers were those that came alive, that were growing up during the sexual revolution and all kinds of stuff. So divorce became more common. And so that's the reason, and I came from a divorced family, even though my, fa my parents were silent generation. They actually, a lot of Gen X kids were what we call latchkey kids. We actually raised ourselves for the most part. Both, either we had single parent head of household that had to work multiple jobs, which was my case, or we had two parents that both worked. And so for the first few hours of every evening, we were home alone. Lots of times we would get up and get ourselves ready for school. Our parents would drop us to, at school on the way to, to their job, or we would ride the bus, or we would walk, and then we would come home to an empty house in the afternoon, and from 3.30 to 6.37, whenever parents got home from work, we were home alone. Lots of us would entertain, get our own homework done, entertain ourselves. We watched a lot of television and played a lot of Atari and a lot of Nintendo. That's the reason most of us are nerds. But we also would do things like get dinner started. So we were a very independent and almost nihilistic generation. And I'm not ashamed of that. We're very self-reliant. And so I'm not getting into a lecture on the differences of the generation. If you'd like to see me compare generations, silent generation, baby boomers, Gen X, millenniums, Gen Zers, let me know down below. I'd be happy to do some wacky, wacky comparison like that. But Alex Jones was the exception to that rule. He still had two parents at home, and one of his parents was home. His mom was home all the time. So he had a very idealistic, almost beaver cleaver kind of bringing up, and I think that's what imparted in him his very conservative. And so, on, you know, on top of that, upper middle class, dentist. So it, it inspired in him a conservative viewpoint. And being raised in the suburbs of um, Dallas, Texas, also very conservative, very conserv conservative Southern viewpoint. So that's how he grew up. He had a very traditional Southern growing up where he played football at the local high school, Anderson High School in Austin, where they relocated before, before he got into high school. And he played football, he played baseball, he played basketball. So very traditional worshiping at the altar of Friday Night Lights for Alex Jones which is very, very common for our generation. And he also read a book while in high school that would change his life. Gary Allen's None Dare Call It Conspiracy. And don't worry, the second or third part of this series on Alex Jones will be a complete review of the life of a fellow conspiracy theorist, Gary Allen, as well as a complete review and summary of that book. And let me tell you, it will mess with your mind. So I can understand me reading it at 45 years old with my understanding of the world, I'm sure is a lot different than young Alex Jones reading it at 16 or 17 
and having a young, impressionable mind where he's pretty much grown up in an echo chamber, as a lot of us do. And so, yeah, you're going to see how it kind of shaped his view of the world and how he's expanded upon it and actually created an empire from it. He did graduate from Anderson High School in 1993, same year I graduated from high school. And he attended briefly a local community college, Austin Community College, but he dropped out because he saw no need for a college education. I honestly wish I had gone that route too because I really do nothing associated with my degree in political science other than talk politics to family members. Um, I've learned not to talk about it on my YouTube channel. I do apologize for that. It was a bad day. But um, anyway, so he decided that he could better send his path because he wanted to be a journalist. He didn't think you needed education to be a journalist. And so it was his desire to create his own media company that led him to his very first stint in broadcast media. And that was on local Austin pub public access in the early 90s. And so the Alex Jones Show was born on public access in 1995 in Austin. Texas. Now, you're probably wondering how was this young 20-year-old just able to walk into a radio, uh, a television network and get his own show? Well, it's public access. It is, if you are a tax-paying member of the community and your community has public access, and they were very common in the 80s and 90s, you can have a show. You don't get paid for it. You can only get paid if you get advertisers to advertise on your show, but it's all up to you. You pay to do the show. They'll put you, give you a time slot. And so he did this himself. It was literally called just the Alex Jones Show. And it was, of course, about conservative topics, conservative politics, and conspiracy theory. And I have a clip for you of Alex Jones, Halloween, 1997, taking some calls on his show because not only did he he had a very late slot for his show it was like a 10 p.m slot but on this halloween the host of the show ahead of him needed the night off so he took over his show and what did alex jones do he carved a pumpkin and talked took calls about conspiracy theories and that's what we're going to take a look at right here hours a day they say <laughs> yeah pretty pretty close well i can assure you i don't make any money off public access oh, i can yeah. guarantee you that well, you guys have a good one. Hey, appreciate that call. Hello, caller. Are you on the air? Yes, Alex. How you doing? Pretty good. I was just kind of curious uh, uh, if it's true that uh, the police can uh, have uh, laser, laser uh, or infrared uh, beams, if you if you want to call it, and they can project those into your house to basically... Yeah, the Austin Police Department, uh, last time I heard, has 20 units with infrared. If you have enough of a heat source in your house, it'll it'll pick up the heat source and show a signature. It's called flare. It's 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 infrared or heat signature, and and uh, we didn't play all of the uh, of the cut from the Lear's uh, from the uh, Lear News Hour, but it says yes, black helicopters um, are being used for surveillance of the public by sheriff's departments and police departments around the country. So that's real, and I'm going to play that tomorrow night from 8:30 uh, on past 10 on my. Access television show that's actually my show proper, just as an entertainment show. And I'm going to have a tax expert on. So you'll see the Lair News Hour, a short little cut for, for news reasons, that'll show you 
Lair News Hour saying, yeah, here's the black helicopters. The military uh, has sold them to the police departments all over the country. They've got thousands of them. They've got thousands of tanks. And that was public access. That's exactly what most of them look like. Um, you'll see a lot of movies that came out in the 80s and 90s with things being set in public access television stations. There's a lot of shows that are still on today that started on public access. One of my favorites, The Atheist Experience, hosted by my friend, I'm glad to call him friend, Matt Delahanty, is still streaming live on the internet. It started on the same public access network as The Alex Jones Show. So, lots of good stuff and lots of bad stuff going on in Austin. Um, so that's where Alex Jones got his start, and it became the model for what would become InfoWars. Call in, him taking news of the day and kind of analyzing it and feeding it to his viewers, that's what he did. And it was from there that he caught the eye of local conservative talk radio station, KFJK 98.9 FM in Austin, and he was actually offered a paid show called Final Edition in 1996. So from 1996 through 1999, he was doing both the public access and the, uh, and the radio show. And this was just basic conservative talk radio. I'm sure most of you know conservative talk radio is a format that is still very popular to this day. There's even channels for it on, both, on Sirius, on XM or Sirius XM, as well as lots of conservative talk on the internet. Liberal talk has not ever quite caught on the way conservative talk is. And so he could have been a very successful conservative talk show host if he had just kind of stayed the way. But what happened to him? Well, he went, he veered off the path of just regular old conservative politics into the land of extreme conspiracy theory. Not only did he read Gary Allen's book while he was in high school, in 1995 something happened that changed the face of the United States forever, and that was the Oklahoma City bombing. And I do plan to do a video on that, but in a synopsis, a gentleman by the name of Timothy McVeigh and his partner, Terry Nichols, as revenge for the Ruby Ridge siege and murder. Two members of the Weaver family took place in Idaho in 1992. Basically, Randy Weaver was brought up on what most consider trumped up federal firearms charges, and, and he did not go to court. So they brought out a ton of federal marshals, a ton of FBI, and they laid siege to the compound that he and his family lived in in Ruby Ridge, Idaho. It was basically they lived off the grid. They kept to themselves. It was the members of the Weaver family as well as their friend Kevin Harris. And for 11 days, they laid siege to these, like, seven people in a cabin trying to bring them to justice. Basically, the gist of it is... They wanted him to turn informant on some supposed white supremacists that were building, uh, doing illegal things with firearms nearby, and he wouldn't roll over. He we didn't want any part of it, so they trumped up these charges. And in and yes, I don't normally say the government. You know, I'm not normally a government conspiracist, but Ruby Ridge was messed up. Ruby Ridge should never have happened. It was wrong from the get go, and as a result, his wife Vicky 
and his son, Sammy Weaver, the family dog named Stryker, and a federal agent by the name of Bill Deegan were all killed needlessly. And to bring the entire family, there's actually a great movie starring Randy Quaid, ironically, that, is, that shows what happened at Ruby Ridge. And it is something I will be covering for the month of Halloween, so stay tuned. But Oklahoma City, which took place April 19th, 1995, was a revenge by Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols on the federal government for what happened at Ruby Ridge. So you see how this stuff just kind of, you know, spars more tragedy. Well, they drove a truck filled with homemade bombs into the, to the Alfred P. Mura Federal Building in Oklahoma City, killing hundreds, including children, and that was revenge for Ruby Ridge. It was also believed that Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols, who were both former military, they were survivalists. I'm sure they read Gary Allen's book. They also were known, especially McVeigh, to be fans of the book, uh, The Turner Diaries, which I have reviewed. It's the most evil book I've ever written in my life, but if you want to dare, it's an age-restricted video, as I'm sure this one will be. You can find it right up there at that link if you want to find out what was in that book. But he was radicalized by Ruby Ridge and that book. And as a result, Alex Jones was radicalized by the Oklahoma City bombings. He was noted as saying on his talk radio show, the final edition, on regular conservative talk and on his public access show, that there is a kleptocracy at work with psychopathic governments and they have us all in their clutches of evil, and that everything they do is to control us. And it was this premise that caused him to first enter the world of filmmaking when he, showed, when he produced the film in 1998, America Destroyed by Design, where he put forth his, his design that Oklahoma City was also, and it was, may have been an inside job as well. And if that wasn't enough, and Branch Davidian compound at Waco, Texas, under cult leader David Koresh, was the, they were the victims of a self-inflicted fire, as far as the evidence that we know are, and I, I know there's going to be a lot of conspiracy people, people that watch this video. I understand that one of the common consensus is the government set that fire. But as far as we know, it was set by members of the Branch Davidians who had already killed a lot of the people in the compound. But in any case, it was a siege by the Bureau of Alcohol, Alcohol Tobacco, and Firearms. And I actually remember this because I had pneumonia. I was actually in the Army. I was in a military hospital with pneumonia, and I watched it happen live on television, that, that final day where it went up in smoke. I, I laid there and I watched it happen. So anyway, that coupled with Oklahoma City is really what sent Alex Jones into a spiral of not trusting the government. The government can't be trusted. The government is evil. It's corrupt. And it's the source of the evil that will one day manifest itself into the New World Order, which if you haven't heard is... All the governments of the world coming under the control of one unifying body. There is only one religion, the religion that they allow us to have. There's only one currency. There's only one loyalty. There's only one way of life. And it will essentially turn 
the world into a unified country of sorts. And that's why there is such a pushback toward the globalist way that business tends to go. So I, I think that it's all kind of feeding into it. There's enough truth in conspiracy, I think, to really peak even normal. Like some of the stuff I read in Gary Allen's book made the hair on the back of my head stand up. So I think there's enough truth in conspiracy to make anyone crack. And if you already have a propensity for that kind of thing, like Alex Jones did, then it can really cause you to spiral out of control. And so because he believed the Branch Davidians a massacre was caused by the government because he believed Oklahoma City was actually done by the government because he had read Gary Allen's book and he believed vehemently in the New World Order. He felt it was his time to take his message global and save the United States from the wrath of the impending e evil. And so with the 1993 tragedy of Waco, the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, and then his spin on it in his 1998 film, as you can imagine, his popularity on Austin conservative talk radio took off. In 1999, he was nominated, tying with one of the most popular talk radio hosts in all of Austin, Shannon Burt, for the best of, best of uh, Austin talk radio. He was voted, you know, they tied dead, dead even, voted by the people of Austin in the lo local Austin Chronicle. However, even though he was super popular, the producers of his show were not pleased with him, the radio station. They, in fact, they were pretty angry with him because of a stunt that he pulled uh, New Year's Eve 1999. As we were going into Y2K, into the year 2000, there was a scare known as the Y2K bug, and I have a video about it. I'll be happy to link right up here that said that because programmers had tried to save space that all computer hardware software was built to only comprehend a two-digit year and that was fine as long as the year stayed something outside of the realm of double zero well because 1999 was about to become the year 2000 well alex jones both via his public access program and his show on conservative talk radio broadcast an Orson Welles, War of the Worlds type inflammatory broadcast where he took snippets of news like a power plant, a nuclear power plant having to go offline for a little while in Pennsylvania or uh, one gas station running out of gas. He took all these little bits and pieces of, you know, like uh, Russian troops on the move Anything that he could pull out that might could be attributed to global computer failure in the face of Y2K, he weaved it together into his own little tale of terror, like, like Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, where people actually thought aliens were really invading the Earth. And he did this, and he caused widespread panic among his listeners. And this even caught the caught the eye and brought forth the anger of a fellow conspiracy theorist by the name of Bill Cooper. Now, Bill Cooper was a 
was a mentor of Alex Jones. Bill Cooper was old school uh, conspiracy theory right up there with Gary Allen. And I'm going to give you a little synopsis on him. And then I'm going to play you a clip that Bill Cooper, that was from Bill Cooper's show the day after Alex Jones broadcast, the one he was fired for from the conservative talk radio station, and how Bill Cooper came down on him for doing it. Now, when another conspiracy theorist who's as far out there as Cooper comes down on you, Mr. Jones, you may have gone a bit too far. But we're go I'm going to give you a little background on who Bill Cooper is so that you can understand the magnitude of how off the rails this Alex Jones broadcast was. And I'm going to play you a snippet from Bill Cooper's show. It is a long snippet, but I, I highly recommend you listen to it because he also plays clips of the Alex Jones broadcast and breaks it down for you. So... With that, let's get into Bill Cooper. Bill Cooper was born in 1943 to uh, an Air Force family, a Lieutenant Colonel Milton Vance Cooper and his wife, Dovey. And not a whole lot is known about his early life. We do know that he did claim to serve in the United States Navy, the United States Air Force, and Naval Intelligence until being discharged in 1975. As I said, I can't, I can't affirm or deny that because no one seems to know uh, there is a brief mention in some records of him having uh, briefly served the United States Navy, uh, advancing to the rank of Petty Officer Second Class. Uh, he also attended vocational tech school in California and worked as a teacher in several voc tech schools over the years. He was also a huge fan of conspiracy theory. He read Gary Allen's book. Um, and in uh, 1992, he began his own talk radio show based on conspiracy. It was broadcast through several independent radio stations as well as over other means, you know, not, not the internet, but like private ham radio, not ham, but private radio airwaves, you know, short distance, long distance radio networks would, would carry it. And so he was, it was the early, early form of being able to get something via the web. And it was called the Hour of the Time. And anybody that had shortwave frequency radios or a satellite could get the show. And he ran this from his home in Eager, Arizona, not far from the New Mexico border. In 1991, he published, wrote and published his first book, Behold a Pale Horse. Which basically had the same spin as the book we're going to cover that all governments are working together with international banking to form the new world order and that a well-organized regulated militia of citizenry is the only way to to defeat that. He also became, this book became quite critical to even UFO conspiracies because he did believe in aliens. He believed in that um, the HIV virus was man-made, and it was released upon the world to kill off homosexuals and kill off uh, people that used uh, intravenous drugs, or even like people with um, blood blood ailments where you know you have to have blood transfusions. Just all kinds of weird stuff, and this has become quite popular among conspiracy theories. This behold a pale horse. If you guys want me to read it, I'll be happy to. Just link it. Link, you know, let me know below. And it is quite influential in the 
militia movements and other conspiracy movements of the day. In fact, Terry Nichols, Timothy McVeigh's co-conspirator in the Oklahoma City bombing, was known to have carried a copy of it on him. So you could thank Behold a Pale Horse as well as Turner Diaries for that mess. Anyway, this is who Bill Cooper was, and it was him, among others, that said Alex Jones went too far December 31st, 1999. And so let's take a page out of Bill Cooper's uh, radio broadcast and listen to what he has to say about his young prod uh, prodigy, Alex, or protege, Alex Jones. Dropping that right here. Listening to the Hour of the Time, I'm William Cooper. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, <laughs> I got the, the tapes that you sent me, Liz, and a few of you uh, others who sent me tapes from uh, December the 31st. And uh, I have been doing exactly what I told you I was going to do. I've been going through them uh, today, and I was going to... Uh, <laughs> I was going to edit a, a, a big, long tape, of, of, and it's difficult. I've got to tell you, there is so much fear-mongering and so, many inaccurate, so much inaccurate reporting and, and uh, all kinds of stuff that um, it's, it's hard. So what we're going to do is we're just going to make the rest of this week a series of this stuff. And uh, tonight's going to sort of set the stage. And you'll, you'll discover, if you were listening last night, why what you're going to hear tonight is so important. These are just short snippets of the Alex Jones show from uh, from New Year's Eve, December the 31st. This is news. This is news, ladies and gentlemen. What you're going to hear here, uh, what he's saying is deception. It's fear-mongering. It, it, uh, it scared the hell out of literally millions of people, and it got worse later. You're not even going to hear the worst part. You're just going to hear the beginning, because what you're going to hear tonight is just taken from the first 45 minutes of his broadcast. Uh, his broadcast on December the 31st, New Year's Eve. These are just little snippets uh, taken from the first 45 minutes of the Alex Jones show. Uh, I didn't take everything that was scary, because we don't have time to do that if we're going to talk about it. But I took just uh, uh, little snippets from the first 45 minutes, and his broadcast, I think, is three hours long. Uh and it gets a lot worse as time goes on. The, uh, you can hear the fear and the excitement and the adrenaline in Alex Jones's voice later on. You're not going to hear so much of that in the early stages of the broadcast. And then he goes on later on the, uh, the, um, the Midas report uh, with, uh, with uh, Michael Trudeau, and uh, it totally gets out of hand. What you're going to hear is a buildup, and then later... And this is what makes me think that the whole thing was staged. 
because this buildup sets the stage for full-blown panic across the country later. And you'll hear about that either tomorrow night or Thursday. But you're going to hear it because this is just absolutely incredible. So uh, stay tuned, folks. <laughs> and be careful. You'll probably get scared. I mean, just listening to this stuff on uh, New Year's Eve, um, December the 31st, I had the, uh, the think this may be what they were trying to create. I, I don't know this for sure. But you'll see as we go through these three nights and you hear the buildup to what could have been an absolute catastrophe. And it all came from these people. And it's just absolutely incredible. I mean, people really went off the deep end. A lot of people got scared. Some people got sick. A lot of people headed literally for the hills just from listening to these guys. This is not a joke. I'm not kidding you. It really happened just exactly as I've described. So stay tuned. You're going to hear it all. <laughs> it's incredible, too. That's right, folks. I'm your man. The only thing you ever get from the hour of the time is the truth. Now, I want you to understand that this little series that we're doing uh, is nothing personal against Alex Jones or anybody else. But I happen to know for a fact, absolute fact, and listen to me very carefully, that people who practice this kind of broadcasting and claim to be an American patriot do nothing but discredit all of us eventually. It's wrong. It is absolutely wrong. This guy would take a call, and some caller would report something, and instead of saying, well, we're not, you know, like I do on this broadcast, when somebody calls in and starts, wants to tell a rumor, I tell him, no, we don't do that on this broadcast. You want to call me tomorrow, I'll check it out. And if it turns out to be true and the, the listening audience needs to hear it, uh, then, uh, you know, we'll make arrangements for you to call in, and, and it can be your story, and we'll do it. But that's the only way it's done on this broadcast. All of these other people, they take phone calls. And a lot of these phone calls are people spreading rumors. And these rumors, 99% of them turn out to be wrong. And it's wrong to allow that to happen. Especially when the host takes it and runs with it. Listen carefully. Cash machines are failing in uh, Britain and now other European countries. They're finding large amounts of explosives in France. Uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, who is known as Vladimir the Ruthless, and using all his profanity on national TV, you name it, we won't read the profanity here, uh, but we've got it. Uh, this person is on an unbelievable power trip and resembles a demon. He is a creature of the IMF and the World Bank and international communism. He is a former KGB head. And this information is vital, ladies and gentlemen. We are seeing the New World Order uh, really come out in full force. More wars than have been in the last 50 years are going on right now. The war in Chechnya is raging in Grozny with, well, reports of hundreds of thousands dying. Is that true, folks? 20 to 40,000 civilians trapped in the city. Russian hinds are being shot down. Tanks are being blown to bits. Uh, massive uh, grod, unguided rocket attacks are being launched on the city indiscriminately right now. Air and artillery bombardments as well. Uh, it's absolutely out of control. It is pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. The power from it uh, failed, but they say it's not a Y2K problem. And the things I'm experiencing here in Austin, Texas, the shelves are empty of water and some gas stations are running out of fuel. Uh, here in Central Texas uh, and in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the shortwave is basically down, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, went off right as I went on the air.
the big news on Y2K. Then we'll start going to your calls. And what happened to Bill Cooper? Interesting story. Uh, November 5th, 2001, he was shot dead by Apache County Sheriff's deputies uh, in his Arizona hometown because he had uh, threatened several residents of Edgar with a firearm. And when they went to arrest him, he engaged in a shootout with them and was shot uh, during the exchange of fire. Um, come to find out, he also had a 1998 federal uh, arrest warrant for something to do with weapons, and he had told federal marshals several times he would not be taken alive, and so he wasn't. So that's who's criticizing Alex Jones. Keep that in mind as we move on. And with that, I'm going to end part one of Alex Jones. I will be back very soon with part two. I hope you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying hanging out with you guys. And until next time, keto pop.